This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve Him in their neighbor, for whom the words of the Creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. Well, tomorrow is the uh, the end of the Easter season. We come to the, the Feast of Pentecost. Um, the end of the very first novena, right? The, the disciples gathered together uh, at, after the ascension. They gathered together and they prayed for these nine days, waiting for this promised Holy Spirit. Uh, and then on the 10th day, their prayers were answered. The Holy Spirit came upon them like the sound of rushing wind. They were filled with boldness, uh, with the ability to go out and, and proclaim the gospel and given gifts for the benefit of the body. Uh, and this is also the same thing that we receive, although maybe in a less dramatic way, uh, at, at the sacrament of initiation of confirmation, which my oldest son just now was confirmed this last week. Uh, I, I had his godfather, uh, his, the, the, now you're the godfather. I am the godfather now. You're the godfather now. Uh, I had him fly up from the Diocese of Tulsa, where we welcome in studio with us uh, Deacon Charles Beard, who's a, a deacon of the Diocese of Tulsa, currently stationed at St. Mary's, and uh, is also an active member of the Stanley Rother Catholic Worker Movement. Uh, so glad to have you in studio. It, it, I, I'm, I'm flummoxed. Have we ever, so, I mean, we've, you've been on the show many times. Have we ever done it like face-to-face? I was thinking the first time. Okay. It, when you were working in the Diocese of Tulsa, we, we recorded. At the Chancery. At the then. Chancery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what we talked about. Let's, let's not go back and find let's out. Let's not. It, it was just, there, there has been a progression in, in my comfortability being on radio that was not present in those early episodes. If you are looking for just like a glutton for punishment and you want to go back, uh, over at OutsideTheWalls.com, there's all of the names of the guests in that right-hand column. You just find Deacon Charles Beard, click on it, and you'll see all the episodes he's appeared in, including that, that first... Just know, listeners, that we, it took like seven takes for us to get it right. Unlike now where we just do it in one and you get what you get folks. So um, while I had you here, I, I couldn't pass over the opportunity to do a show with you while you were actually here in Washington state. Uh, welcome back, by the way. Thank you. Uh, you, be you back. You've never been here while I was here, but no. you, you've been here before uh, into, into, you know, I know that Oklahoma is God's country, but I think he vacations here. <laughs> I can buy that. He's here from uh, April through October. He's here th- exactly <laughs> when he leave when he leaves our, when our place turns into hell. <laughs> so we're talking about um, about Pentecost, but also about confirmation because this is just as just as the Eucharist is the continuation of of his presence here, right? Just as the Eucharist is, is the continuation of, of Holy Week and his passion and, and even more giving us all uh, a share in the divine life. So too, um, the, the sacrament of initiation of confirmation gives us all a share and a taste of the day of Pentecost. That's, that's my contention today. Mm. And I'm waiting for someone to tell me I'm wrong. I'm sure that there's some nuance here. But um, but this is the time that the Holy Spirit comes, just as he did to those gathered in the upper room, to those of us who are gathered in prayer, uh, who 
are seeking after God's presence, and it gives us the gifts to be able to strengthen the gifts that we received at baptism and to give us a new gift, the gift of being able to proclaim and defend the faith. Hmm. I think it goes even before what we call Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Um, Pentecost, unlike Easter, the the word itself is used uh, before Christianity. Right. Um, the, it, it was originally a Jewish feast, uh, even in, in the Acts of the Apostles, and I don't remember the chapter. Paul talks about how much he wanted to celebrate Pentecost with a particular group of of Christians, but they weren't. He wasn't talking about right. our Pentecost. He was talking about the Jewish Pentecost. So it's worth thinking about what what is it that our Pentecost fulfills. Mm-hmm. So if Easter is the Passover, so you're leaving. Think of the Jews or the Hebrews leaving Egypt. Mm-hmm. God has rescued them from their sins. He leads them through the waters of the Red Sea, which prefigures the waters of baptism, and they're. Uh, going on for for 49 days and they come to they come to uh, Mount Sinai mm-hmm. where uh, Moses goes up the mountain and he receives the law from God um, and that is celebrated at Pentecost um, the the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud come up with Moses and he has this um, intense experience of God's presence and comes down. Now the, the people down there are having the golden calf. Right. So that's what we think about. Right. But we don't think about so much what's going on with Moses and what God is doing through Moses on the mountain. Right. Um, what, what God is doing is he's telling the people of Israel, okay, now what I have rescued you from your oppressors. Mm-hmm. I'm leading you to the promised land. Here's what your responsibilities are in the meantime. And here's what you need in order to do that. Um, in just the same way, when we're rescued from our sins in baptism, we, we leave the Egypt of our original sin. We're going to the promised land of heaven. We're fed with the manna of the Eucharist. Pentecost, through our, con- our confirmation, which is our experience of Pentecost, is God telling us, here is what I expect you to do in the meantime. And here is what you need in order to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't get Ten Commandments on on stone tablets. Well, and this comes from the, the book of, of uh, Joel, where he says, I'm going to write my law on, on your, your heart. hearts. And then, then, of course, we see this whole thing, I'll pour out my spirit on your sons and daughters, and we associate that with... Um, with Pentecost, right? Right. We have that reading at Pentecost. We're, we're familiar with that, but I've never made this connection until this conversation here of that part of the law being written on our hearts is mm-hmm. also part and parcel with that first giving of the law right. and having that connected to the, this the, the coming of the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment yeah. of, of the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. which is the entirety of the law, which is, right. as Paul says, the fulfillment of the law is love. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to love on our journey to the promised land. Yeah. So, you know, confirmation is always the one we have a hard time explaining, mm-hmm. right? We, we've got that whole baptism down. We know it washes us from original sin. Uh, we, we understand confession that the, the Jesus said to his apostles, whosoever sins you forgive or forgiven, whosoever sins you retain or retained. Um, we, we understand in, in, a way that we could explain it for the most part. 
the sacraments of holy orders and of marriage and of anointing of the sick. But even in the catechism, confirmation is a little bit less well-defined. Um, in 1303 in the catechism, it says, From this fact, confirmation brings an increase and a deepening of baptismal grace. It roots us more deeply in the divine filiation, which makes us cry, Abba, Father. It unites us more firmly to Christ. It increases the gifts of the Holy Spirit in us. It renders our bond to the church more perfect. And so it, it's kind of like it's the more sacrament. Right? <laughs> it's a sacrament in search of a theology. Right. There is one thing, though, that the, the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church says belongs specifically to the sacrament of confirmation. And it says here at the end of 1303, it gives us a special strength of the Holy Spirit to spread and defend the faith by word and action as true witnesses of Christ, to confess the name of Christ boldly, and to never be ashamed of the cross." It then goes on to quote St. Ambrose and says, Recall that you have received the spiritual seal, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of right judgment and courage, the spirit of knowledge and reverence, the spirit of holy fear of God, in God's presence. Guard what you have received. God the Father has marked you with his sign. Christ the Lord has confirmed you and has placed his pledge, the spirit, in your hearts. But I would say, just from the conversations I've had, that most of the people who are confirmed still don't feel equipped right. to, to go out and to share the faith or defend the faith. Maybe uh, they are scared to do it. Maybe they just, that's not their style or their scope. And yet that's something that the catechism and the church specifically teaches is part and parcel of confirmation, not reserved just for these few over here. But in some way, in some share, given to every person who's initiated into the church. Mm -hmm. We talked last week on the show about this new instituted ministry of catechist. But even that is only for some, right? Some right. are called to be teachers, some prophets, some evangelists, so forth and so on. And yet this gift that we're given of the Holy Spirit in the sacrament of confirmation is in some way meant for all of us. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we're going to get to this question, how do we get there? But before that, I want to go back to your confirmation okay. and talk a little bit about what has your experience been and how has it unfolded to you to be able to defend the faith? Because it's not always in apologetics or in conversations or in somehow standing up for it. Sometimes it is uh, in definitive action. Mm -hmm. So how is your understanding of defending the faith through this sacrament of confirmation unfolded to you as you've been on your journey? I was a junior in high school when I was confirmed, which is too old, but, uh, but that's when I was confirmed. Um, and I, the only thing I ever wanted to be was a priest. So I was kind of expecting a big confirmation, no pun intended, of, of that vocation. Um, and I got confirmed and went back to my pew. And I remember, I, I remember feeling nothing at first and that scared me. And then the mass went on and I realized that I could no longer see myself as a priest. Like I always kind of pictured myself like throwing the incense, you know, that, 
Um, and I just couldn't do it at all. What I pictured myself was as my father next to me, um, you know, being part of the mass, but not in that, that way. And that, so my confirmation gave me a sense of my vocation as a married man and gave me the equipment that I needed in order to fulfill that vocation. Even though I had not, I wouldn't meet my wife for another eight or nine years, but everything that I needed in order to be a husband and father, which God had called me to, and eventually a deacon, he gave to me in that confirmation. Well, and I would imagine that at that moment, it was probably a little bit disillusioning. Yeah. Because you had your eyes set on something. Right. And and it felt like almost, don't, I, don't want, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but almost as a failure that I'm not going to receive this thing that I really, really wanted. Mm-hmm. And what does that make me now? Right. Right. I... I I think I was expecting confirmation to be a big, huge lightning strike moment. And most sacraments don't work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Holy Spirit generally doesn't work like that. Certainly he can and certainly he does. But for most of us, most of the time, it's a it's a small, steady voice. In confirmation, I did experience that small, steady voice. Um, and that also gave me perhaps a sense of what my relationship with God and and following God's call would look like now. It's not, uh, you know, the big, like in Bruce Almighty where you see the big stop sign right. or go this way. Uh, I've almost never experienced anything like that, but I have been able to trust where God is leading me at a particular moment. I think at least in part because I heard it then in a way I did not expect, but in a way which would be most common going forward. I grew up in um, in a tradition that that had what would what many would consider a more charismatic expression, right? So it had the the big music and it had the the sweeping emotion uh, and the emotional encounter with God, such that I really kind of associated any encounter with God with that emotion, and mm-hmm. with the absence of that emotion, I must not have encountered God. Uh, and so it was um, both a comfort. Uh, and a challenge to to kind of wrestle with this Catholic way of experiencing the Holy Spirit, because as you mentioned, the Holy Spirit doesn't always, or maybe even often, come with these lightning bolt moments. But it's that that steady stream uh, pushing against the rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were on a hike earlier today, and we yeah. saw this huge raging river. Um, and there was a rapid section where the water's going over the rock, and you mentioned said so that the the, the the rock it looks like the rock is winning because the rock isn't going anywhere, but eventually, with enough water, mm-hmm. the water is going to win that battle. Yeah, and this is, of course, the way that I've come to see and experience the Holy Spirit is this steady stream wearing off my rough edges and forming me into that which is uh, most useful to God. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, St. Cyril of Jerusalem has, uh, puts, a, puts it in a really interesting way. Actually, he's, he uses the metaphor of water. What, he says, why did Christ call the grace of the Spirit water? Because all things are dependent on water. Plants and animals have their origin in water. Water comes down from heaven as rain, and although it is always the same in itself, it produces many different effects, one in the palm tree, another in the vine, and so on throughout the whole creation. It does not come down now as one thing and now as another, but while remaining essentially the same, 
it adapts itself to the needs of every creature that receives it. So every Catholic of a certain age receives the sacrament of confirmation. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. The Holy Spirit being the same thing mm-hmm. comes upon them, but the Holy Spirit enters in to each individual Christian in a particular way, reaching that person the way only that person can be reached and therefore and empowering that person to reach others in the way only those other people or rather only these other people, not those other people can be reached. Your mission field is different to my mission field. And that's okay because the Holy Spirit, while remaining the same, has has adapted himself to to enable us to do our jobs. Yeah. I I see in this um, an invitation for us all to, one, to let go of our preconceptions of what, what ministry looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be willing for other people's ministry to look different than ours. Right. right? There's this desire to homogenize the Catholic faith, uh, and, and yet the Holy Spirit never does that, right? There's this, Paul even talks about that. There's a diversity of gifts, but one spirit. And so each of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit may come to different places and different expressions of ministry. And this is really an expression of, uh, of how God, in his unity, uh, speaks to humanity through diversity. Absolutely. Um, going further down in St. Cyril. Sorry, I, I just read this today, and it just blew my right. mind. It was perfect timing. Yeah, right? it really was. Um, this, it was. It was the Spirit. <laughs> um, the Spirit strengthens one man's self-control, shows another how to help the poor, teaches another how to fast and lead a life of asceticism, makes another oblivious to the, to the needs of the body, trains another for martyrdom. His action is different in different people, but the spirit himself is always one and the same. Um, the, what spoke to me there was teaches another how to fast. And um, I don't know if you've noticed this weekend, Timothy, but I suck at fasting. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and it, We have done nothing to help you. With r- no, no. <laughs> your, 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 your wife cooks entirely too well. It's her fault, really. It really is her fault. <laughs> but... Uh, but at certain points of my spiritual journey, I, I thought I really need to like get better at this mm-hmm. and to don't get me wrong. I do. Um, but that's never going to be the way I get to heaven. Yeah. And, um, and being able to let go of that expectation of what holiness looks like has helped me, you know, cultivate other virtues that God has really called me to. There's another uh, place in the breviary. This this passage that you're reading um, from St. Cyril comes from the Office of Readings out mm-hmm. of the breviary. There's these little snippets. We read them every week on the show. A uh, couple of paragraphs, three, four paragraphs long, giving us the church fathers in, in a really great way to digest and diet. And if you don't know where to start reading the church fathers, this is a great place to do it. Uh, but Charles, one of the first things that I read along these lines was St. Francis de Sales' Introduction to the Devout Life. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he talks about that he's writing this to someone who is not in religious life. And they've asked him, how do I, I I'm busy. How do I live my, my life? I've got this family I have to take care of. And he says, the, the ministry that you receive from the Holy Spirit as a spouse is different than, than a monk would receive it. And that's different than a bishop would receive because each of us uh, in our station and our state in life have a path to holiness. We don't have to walk someone else's path to holiness. We just have to walk with the same spirit. 
Mm-hmm. And that, that path to holiness is our defense of the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, for some, uh, we, we had a conversation earlier today about apologetics and about its, its limitations. So it, apologetics has its place. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly the Holy Spirit inspires some to be apologists. We know some who are rather good. Um, but that's not, that's not the extent of what defending the faith looks like. Defending the faith means being holy the way God has called you to be holy. Well, in, in this passage that you're reading from St. Cyril, uh, he's called some to fast. He's prepared some for martyrdom. Right. And in some ways, martyrdom is the, the defending of the faith. I think back to um, several years ago, and there were the, the 21 Egyptian martyrs. Mm-hmm. Um, and several years ago, as in like within the last decade. 2014, I think it was. And so you have all of these men who were Coptic Christians, Egyptian Christians, and one who was not. Who was a Muslim. Right. Yeah. And so each of them was asked to renounce the faith, and they, they refused, and they stood firm in their faith, and they were martyred. Mm. And at the end, they come to this person who ostensibly shares their faith. Right. Uh, and he turns to his captors and says, their God is my God. Right. And they killed him. And they killed him too. So here, through the witness even of their martyrdom, they're defending the faith and and bringing someone in by what the church calls the baptism of blood mm-hmm. in that way. And so we like to think, well, I have this very victorious picture of what it looks like for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to, uh, and to defend the faith and to live out a life of holiness. And sometimes God is calling us to a pathway and a life that doesn't feel that glamorous. No, I, <laughs> never. <laughs> I think of St. Francis of Assisi, right? He wanted to go out and he was going to go and find the Moors and he was going to go and preach to the, to the Sultan mm. so that he could be martyred, right? right? And he went and he approached and he was able to, to preach and he left denied of his request, right? Uh, he, he was able to do all of the things up until the point of martyrdom and then he wasn't martyred. No. Uh, and so even... Even St. Francis of Assisi, who had this picture of what holiness was, had to allow the Holy Spirit to reshape what his understanding of holiness was. There's a similar story of St. Ignatius, actually, um, because of the Franciscans. Yeah. So I, I believe it was before he founded the Jesuits. Um, perhaps it was in the Jesuits' early days. They all went to Palestine. Mm-hmm. Um, to They weren't necessarily seeking martyrdom, but they thought that their mission was to go preach to the non-Christians in Palestine. Um, but there was a very tentative political peace among the Christians in Palestine. And so the Franciscans who had, who had the right to be there mm-hmm. um, took him aside and said, we have the authority from the Pope to excommunicate you if you dare <laughs> do anything like what you want to do. And Ignatius had to go, okay. <laughs> and then he went back to Europe. Yeah. But, uh, the, the, the power of confirmation is, is the power to see God at work even in that. Mm. One of the things that, that I am absolutely a thousand percent firmly convinced of, uh, and I don't think I can be dispossessed of this belief, right. is, is that um, you always find God working in humility. Yes. Uh, so it, that's, that's a good opinion, Tim. Right. Uh, good. <laughs> That that for St. Francis or for uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola or for us, 
when we are met with something that is different than our anticipated plan, mm -hmm. the temptation is always for us to, to stand up and, and defend our thought process, to defend the belief, the thing that we hold on too tightly, and to, to do whatever we can to bring it to pass. Um, but I don't think that the Holy Spirit's ever in that place. The Holy Spirit's always, uh, always over us and with us in humility. And I think of what if, uh, looking back over the history of, of, of the world, of, of all that's been revealed to us in Scripture, if those who went about and made their plans come to pass, what if they had been humble? Mm-hmm. All the way back to Abraham. What if Abraham had been humble and patient and trusting in God to bring about his promise in his own ways, rather than saying, you know what, God promised this, and I guess I'm going to have to help make this happen. You need to help God out. I, I got to help God out, right? Uh, you know, I know God said to be patient, but he, he must have missed something. I really need to step in here. And, uh, and I had this old, this Protestant pastor that I had in college who always said, I don't want to get ahead of the cloud. I always want to follow the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud mm -hmm. because I don't know what's out there. Right. Right. I want to be behind it always. I don't even want to be beside it. I'll always want to be behind it. That, that's a, that's very challenging, especially for us men who, who you and I, you're a little bit older than me, but, but we're, Thanks a lot. yeah, we're roughly the same age. We're at similar points in our careers. And, and there's a certain, like, I want, that promotion, that increase. I wish that my career had taken this particular path. Um, and I want to take steps to make that happen. And, and I, I think this quite a bit. Uh, but God is at work with me right now, even in my disappointments, even in my frustrations, and therefore in yours. Father Jacques Philippe um, has this book, Searching for and Maintaining Peace, mm. right? And basically, he starts off saying that we have to recognize God in all things, to be able to look at suffering and say, it is the Lord. Mm -hmm. Dominus est, right? I absolutely hate that book. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it sticks with me that w when I come to a place where my expectations are not met, I have to look at it, whatever it is, and say, the Lord is here in the midst of this thing. Mm -hmm. And he's with me in the midst of this thing. And I have that promise because of my baptism and my confirmation that I know that God is present. He wants to be, you know, you will be my people and I will be your God and I will dwell among you, right? So that promise is there. So then it becomes incumbent upon me to stop and to take stock and to look around and say, okay, well, if the Lord is here, then what is it that he is asking me to do? in this place, not the place that I wanted to be and hoped I would be at, but in this place. Right. We're talking today with Deacon Charles Beard from the Diocese of Tulsa about the gift of confirmation, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to be a part of this conversation. So come on over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Come and tell me about your confirmation and how you've experienced the Spirit in your life. There's more to come right after this. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Putnam. Most of the time uh, when I when I have a guest on, um, it's via Zoom, and so they don't get to hear the music as it plays, which means I don't get to see the little uh, the little dances that go on as the music. It, I like the music a lot, and I kind of move along with it, but it's always fun to have someone else actually in studio because I get to see their their inadvertent. You should see me dancing when I'm listening to the podcast at home. Oh, I should. Yeah. You should take a video and post it on social media. All of you, all of you should take a video, do a selfie, do a little TikTok or something of yourself dancing to the opening music. Put it up on the socials, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. I have no doubt that Deacon Charles Beard will be the first one to put that up. To, 100%. To inaugurate us into this, this, new, uh, this new trend. Right. Because I want to see you all. We're going viral, folks. <laughs> I do. I do so love this music. It's um, uh, Andy Gullihorn and Jill Phillips. Uh, it's a song they put together called Nobody's Got It All Together, which I feel kind of encapsulates my life. Certainly. Right? Uh, and so they graciously let us use this when I had, you know, one station on one low power FM and uh, they have not taken back permission. <laughs> so we just, we keep rolling with it. There we go. They know about it. Uh, we're talking today with Deacon Charles Beard of the diocese of Tulsa. He's uh, currently at St. Mary's, uh, which was the first church that I spent any length of time in after my confirmation. Um, and uh, the the priest who confirmed me is still there. He's still your priest. He confirmed my wife as well. Yeah, uh, He, that, that priest, his name is Father Jack Gleason, my pastor. He confirmed my wife. He has given first communion to all of my kids who have made their first communion. Mm-hmm. And he's baptized my youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, he has given sacraments to every member of my family, except me. You haven't gone to communion? Oh, well, okay, fine. <laughs> that's one of them. That's, that's one of, the, of them. Yeah, that's kind okay. of the source and summit. It's the big one, man. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, hey, so um, we're talking about confirmation. Oh, uh, the other thing that Deacon Charles Beard does is you work with, with Catholic Worker, the Stanley Ruther Catholic Worker movement there in Tulsa. Uh, you can find more about that specific community by going to Stanley Ruther Catholic Worker on Facebook or srcw.org. I really had to think that one through because right. I always screw up the yeah. the initials. SRCW. Org. I am um, speaking of Blessed Stanley Ruther. My my son, who was just confirmed this last week, took Blessed Stan- Stanley Ruther as one of his confirmation names. He found out he could do three saints, and he made the most of it. Right? He sure did. That was impressive. <laughs> made the bishop say Ignatius Stanley Ruther Thomas, and then the way to go. Um, and so Stanley Ruther is just a huge part of our life. We, we have a devotion to him here in this house, but I remember watching, uh, some friends of mine on, on the socials, uh, who didn't know any better and God bless them. They, they had a television show. This is the repent and submit guys right on Catholic TV. Uh, and they highlighted blessed Stanley Rother. Oh no. Oh no. The nerve, the nerve. So you should go onto onto the Twitters and and give them a hard time for that, even after all this time, uh, because you know that's what research is for. Yeah. So we're it. we're we're Okies. We don't say Stanley Rother. <laughs> that's a Midwestern word, 
or Rother. Rother. Yeah. So, um, talking about this confirmation, the 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 sacrament of confirmation that that really for us brings us to this place of Pentecost, brings us into this experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit, and going back to this this feast that we're celebrating tomorrow, the solemnity, um, the Holy Spirit comes upon all of those gathered in the upper room for a purpose, right? Holy Spirit isn't just saying, hey, watch what I can do and puts on a big show. Right. He's giving gifts for the sake of the world, for the sake of the church. And just like with um, with all of the other things that happen in salvation history, this day is being picked for a reason because it is, as you mentioned, it is a Jewish feast that brought people in from everywhere. And so here now the Holy Spirit's poured out the apostles are now speaking there to, to people from all over in a way that they can be understood. And so for us, the challenge we here in the United States, um, for the most part, we're going to be dealing with people who speak English, but we are going to be speaking with people who come from so many different perspectives. Right. Now the challenge for us is to be able to enculturate the gospel into a worldview and not necessarily into a language. Into uh, not not just a worldview, but to every worldview right. that exists in the United States today. Uh, there is not one worldview out there that does not have some element of truth within it. Um, and our challenge as evangelists is to find that kernel of truth, even if you find the worldview itself personally repugnant. Mm-hmm. Um to look for the good in that because that's where the gospel can be brought. Now, if you find it completely repugnant, that might not be the mission the Holy Spirit has sent you on. Yeah. Um, you have to have some level of sympathy for that worldview. Well, I think one of the, the challenges for us, and this is something that we can certainly in humility ask the Holy Spirit for, is for the eyes to see the humanity of the person. So often I think that our, our culture tempts us into treating the person like an argument rather than uh, a person. Right. right. We reduce them to their ideology rather than seeing what is common to us all within them. Right. Uh, you, people are not if-then statements ever. Right. Um, all, everyone is personally willed and personally loved by the same guy who made the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore we can't treat anyone as only an ideology. We talk about a lot about uh, difficult or pervasive ideologies in our culture um, as if that's the most powerful thing um, that's just taking people over. There is not no truth in that, but it can very easily overwhelm the idea that what's most powerful is the person who is loved by God. Mm-hmm. And to be able to to say, okay, not this thought or this idea that I dis- dislike, but what is the need of this person? And this, of course, is what Jesus does over and over and over as people come to that, come to Jesus and they say, um, uh, Jesus, would you have mer- son of David have mercy on me? And he says, do you want to be well? Right. Or, well, well, of course I want to be well. That's why I'm coming to you. Uh, 
every time Jesus is encountered with a person seeking him, he encounters them with a question. And that question is really to seek out the heart of what is it that this person really needs, not the thing right on the surface, but what's really needed. And I think that we would do well to learn this because so often we think we know what this other person in front of us is feeling or thinking, and we have just the solution to fix them. Right. It's the salesman side of of, uh, many of us. Uh, One one good spiritual practice, I think, for, for many of us is to, is to look through the Gospels and find those questions that Jesus asks. And since we're talking about confirmation and mission, uh, have, read, the, read those passages as if Jesus is asking that question to us. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to do for you? Does this shock you? Um, who do you say that I am? And the answers that we give to those questions in reply to the Lord might give some clue to what our next step is, um, both in our own lives, our own paths to holiness, but also in the mission that God wants from us at this point in our lives. Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo, who we had on the show very recently, uh, wrote a book about this, going through meditations on these questions of who Jesus is. Uh, we had a show with him sometime about the, some time ago about this. You can find that. But you can also get the book on our Sunday Visitor Press called The God Who Questions. And it's just meditations on what if Jesus was serious about these questions and what if he was asking them of me? I'm going to go buy the book this the second that we're done recording. Yeah. Um, and I think for us to be able to look at, at these questions in that way and to say, okay, it, I need to learn from Jesus here and to not just come to a snap decision about what a conversation is, but to go deeper and to, to ask the question of myself and of them that they're not expecting, right? Right. What is the deepest need of your heart? Not this surface thing that we're, that we're arguing about at the moment. And since the Holy Spirit so often, as we said earlier, operates quietly, that's where that that deep need is where we're going to find the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to bring up a question here then for you. Okay. You work with um, Stanley Ruther, Catholic worker. Yes. And you are encountering people in a place of deep need on a fairly regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you're telling us this way of interacting with the Holy Spirit, I know for a fact that you've had one of these occasions where you have been faced with a person in need of ministry, and you took the moment to say, Holy Spirit, what's really needed here? And it went completely different direction than you expected. Do you have that story in mind, and can you share it with me? I can share one. Um, There was one person who had been at, at our hospitality house for about a year and um, had been spinning his wheels a little bit and needed a hard deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, so we gave him a hard deadline, and uh, he, was, he was Catholic. Did not take the hard deadline very well. Um, so the day that he left, um, his, he just was ranting and raving, ah, to heck with God, I'm an atheist now because the Catholics are kicking me out, you know. <laughs> it just went on and on. And my my initial inclination is to argue because we had housed this guy for a year. Yeah. Um, 
And I wanted to be like, this is how much the Catholics have cared for you. We, you right. know, we gave you a house and we paid right. for your bills and we gave you jobly, you know. Um, but I, I reflected and I, I, I prayed and I, what he needed me to be was a lightning rod just to kind of take out his anger. Yeah. So, cause really he was, he was embarrassed. He was angry. He was, he was scared. Um, and he couldn't turn that into bitterness toward God. Mm-hmm. So my job at the moment was to let him be angry at me. Yeah. Um, and now he's doing great. He's had this same job that he's had, I think for two, maybe three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, you know, has an apartment. He, he, he pays his own bill. He, he's doing very well and is active in the church. Um, I, I didn't think he remained active, but he said to me during kind of the height of quarantine, he said, you know, I haven't been able to go to mass because of quarantine, but, uh, you know, I, I watch it every week online and I was, uh, very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So looking back on that moment, um, of course, you've got uh, multiple things going on here. One, you want to to justify your own behavior. There's this this sense of um, needing to to not be walked all over. Right. Then there's the sense of wanting to set someone else straight. Right. You know, that's one of the spiritual works of mercy to instruct the ignorant. Right. We we like that one a lot. Um, and and the Holy Spirit for this situation in this scenario said, uh, "Hey, slow your roll." He says that to me a lot, in all fairness. I, th- I think he says it to all of us. We don't necessarily <laughs> listen all that well. Um, because we, we think, you know, we, I, I said earlier in the episode that there that had this pastor who said, I never want to get ahead of the cloud, uh, the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud. I, on the other hand, want God to kind of point in a direction. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm good. And off I go. Um, and the Holy Spirit isn't interested in being uh, the the concierge or the guy giving directions. He wants to be the followed. leader, right? Yes, uh, I, I can think of another time at at the house. Um, we had a woman who had been a a a, a victim of human trafficking, mm-hmm. and, and she came to us, and we had to get law enforcement involved. G- generally, we try not to do that. We try not to ask too many questions, but this was. This was too big, right? Mm-hmm. So we had a, I can't remember what agency she was with. It doesn't matter, but someone with the state. And I had a pastor who who um, who deals more directly with getting our guests into long-term housing because we, we pretty much just do the hospitality house. So um, had a social worker, had someone from the state, had this pastor who was doing the housing. And I realized of all the people in the house right now, I am the most useless. <laughs> I have no particular role right now. Yeah. But I, and so I was like, well, okay, what am I? I'm just standing awkwardly in the kitchen at this point. So what am I supposed to do? Well, I made coffee and then I prayed. And that was, that was my role at the moment. And the, the woman did not want law enforcement to be yeah. called. And we kind of sprung it on her. We probably didn't handle it as well as we should have. So she bolted and started running. Uh, so I went into our little chapel and I, and I, I prayed because that was the only thing I could do. Mm-hmm. And she, and 10 minutes later I left the chapel and she had stopped at the edge of the property and was talking with a law enforcement agency and stayed with us for another month after that. And we were able to get her out of town. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not, I, 
won't say that's because I prayed, but it, that was what God wanted me to do at that moment. Well, and, and I would say that our first inclination is to solve the problem. Yes. Right. I want to go after, I want to make it right and make it better. And yet the thing that m- would be most helpful to make it right and better in all situations is for us to get out of our own heads and to take it to God in prayer, mm-hmm. period. Right. Especially for, if you're a non-specialist like I am. Well, and, and this is, in so many ways, this is the story of Pentecost because we like to see, oh, well, the Holy Spirit came, the, the sound of rushing wind came through, tongues of fire rested on their heads, and then they went out and they, uh, they preached and 3,000 were added to their number that day out of the book of Acts. We see that, but we forget or we gloss over the fact that they prayed for nine days before, gathered together in a room, huddled together, imploring God to send his promised Holy Spirit. And we have to put that same effort in if we want to see those same results. Absolutely. Deacon Charles Beard is a deacon at uh, St. Mary's Catholic Church in the Diocese of Tulsa. Works with uh, the Blessed Stanley Rother Catholic Worker Community. That's srcw.org. Srcw.org. If you want to contribute to uh, to the work that they do or maybe see about volunteering there as well, go to the website, learn more about it. Weekly lunch every week. We need people to come cook. Deacon Charles, thanks for being with us. Happy to be back. If you missed any part of my conversation with Deacon Charles, you want to go back and listen to it again, uh, or maybe share it with your friends on social media. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. You can either go through them all chronologically, or if you want to find all the episodes that we've done with Deacon Charles, uh, you find his name there in the right-hand column, a little bit down the page, alphabetically under Deacon, and click that link, and then you can see every time that he has been on the show. And if after listening to all those, you still can't get enough of Deacon Charles, uh, we do have an extra segment each and every week that we give to those who help support the show, keep us on the air week after week. Uh, And you can find out more about that right in the same place, OutsideTheWalls.com. In the top right-hand corner of the page, there's a link that says Patreon hyphen support the show. Just click that link and you'll find all the information and all the goodies uh, you could ever want Well, let's go ahead now and turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and from church history. That's the sound of the Verbum Library launching up. Verbum helps you read Scripture with the church, uh, having links to the catechism and the fathers and the doctors of the church and many prominent theologians. Uh, You can learn more about it and how to get your own library by going to verbum.com. Our reading from Scripture today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth that proceeds from the Father, he will testify to me. And you also testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. When he comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are coming. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I told you that he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. That comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and is part of a long discourse, John 15, 16, and 17 
where Jesus is giving the disciples consolation and hope and all that they need to make it through the cross and to the other side, to the resurrection. Um, this is after the, the Last Supper and before he's turned over to Pilate. And so, I, you know, I look at this and I see even in my own life that each time that I've come upon a difficulty in life, always before it, there's been a, a gifting of consolation. And it, it doesn't make the difficulty any easier, but it lets me know and gives me the absolute certainty that God is with me even in the midst of that. This is what he's doing to his, uh, to his disciples right here. Like, this is going to be hard, but I'm sending you the promised spirit. And so I, I think in order for us to, to receive the same gift that the, the disciples received, that we have to do the same things. They had just now followed him extensively for three years. They just shared uh, the Last Supper with him. And then even seeing that he was in distress, they stayed close by him. And so this is our task as well, to keep ourselves close to Christ in all that we do, knowing that as we do, he gives us what we need. He gives us the promised spirit, and he gives us the the consolation to handle our own crosses to make it to our own resurrection. Our reading from church history today comes from a treatise on the Trinity by St. Hilary. Our Lord commanded us to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In baptism, then, we profess faith in the Creator, in the only begotten Son, and in the gift, which is the Spirit. There is one Creator of all things, for in God there is one Father, from whom all things have their being. And there is only one begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things exist. And there is one Spirit, the gift who is in all. So all follow their due order, according to the proper operation of each. One power, which brings all things into being, one Son, through whom all things come to be, and one gift of perfect hope. Nothing is wanting to this flawless union. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is infinity of endless being, perfect reflection of a divine image, and mutual enjoyment of the gift. Our Lord has described the purpose of the Spirit's presence in us. Let us listen to his words. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I go, I will send you the Advocate. And also, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine. From among many of our Lord's sayings, these have been chosen to guide our understanding, for they reveal to us the intention of the giver, the nature of the gift, and the condition for its reception. Since our weak minds cannot comprehend the Father or the Son, we have been given the Holy Spirit as our intermediary and advocate to shed light on the hard doctrine of our faith 
the incarnation of God. We receive the spirit of truth so that we can know the things of God. In order to grasp this, consider how useless the faculties of the human body would become if they were denied their exercise. Our eyes cannot fulfill their task without light, either natural or artificial. Our ears cannot react without sound vibrations, and in the absence of any odor, our nostrils are ignorant of their function. Not that these senses would lose their own nature if they were not used. Rather, they demand objects of experience in order to function. It is the same with the human soul. Unless it absorbs the gift of the Spirit through faith, the mind has the ability to know God, but lacks the light necessary for that knowledge. This unique gift which is in Christ is offered in its fullness to everyone. It is everywhere available, but it is given to each man in proportion to his readiness to receive it. Its presence is the fuller, the greater a man's desire to be worthy of it. This gift will remain with us until the end of the world and will be our comfort in the time of waiting. By the favors it bestows, it is the pledge of our hope for the future, the light of our minds, and the splendor that irradiates our understanding. That reading comes from A Treatise on the Trinity by St. Hilary. So how do we receive this gift? Well, the truth is, we've already received it. The Holy Spirit comes to us in baptism. It's stirred up in us in a special way, in the gift of confirmation, in the sacrament of confirmation. And the Holy Spirit endures with us. The question is, what's our awareness of His presence in our lives? The Holy Spirit speaks to us each day. The question is, do we... Do we have our ears attuned to his voice, or do we kind of dismiss it as just a, a distracted thought, or, or just are too busy to give any attention to the voice of God? If we've scheduled our day so much that there's no time for silence, that there's no time for prayer, then it's likely that we don't feel his presence all that strongly. But if we turn ourselves to prayer, and sometimes that prayer is just Come, Holy Spirit, and sitting and waiting. Come, Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit comes to us and begins to give us consolation and strength and encouragement. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy your consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show was brought to you by Kent and Paige Keithley and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and join their numbers. Until next week, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing affright you. All things are passing. God is unchanging. Patience obtains all things. Who has God lacks nothing. God alone suffices. 